0: Merry Christmas my good people I hope you're enjoying it with your family and friends here On this December 25th, a Wednesday In the Year of Our Lord 2019 To deliver a special podcast Under your Christmas tree As we go through the NFL To talk with a former All-Pro linebacker, LeVon Kirkland He most notably of the Pittsburgh Steelers He did play his last two years in the league With the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles This was uh, an impromptu Interview which surprised me By all means LeVon Kirkland has been a very mild mannered guy Throughout his career He played linebacker on those 90s Steeler teams With the likes of Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd Also played with Rod Woodson In that secondary Especially in that 94 team Because remember the 95 team They did go to the Super Bowl But Woodson was out for most of the year Although he did get to play in Super Bowl 30 Against the Cowboys But Kirkland comes from a very interesting perspective Not only as a guy Who was a second round pick out of Clemson Back in the 1992 draft But him Moving up the ranks, not only to become a starter in 93, but to become an integral part of that defense, especially in that 94 season where they just fell one game short of the Super Bowl. We actually recap that, tough game against the Chargers. We also talk about the following year with the AFC Championship game, remember the Hail Mary with Jim Harbaugh in the end zone with Aaron Bailey. We talk about the Super Bowl experience, which you'll get a kick out of what he has to say about that, and also get into how he became that all pro level linebacker. To the point where he was first team in 1997 And we also talk, touch on a couple other things About his days at Clemson Before coming into the NFL Also a little prediction about Clemson And a little couple of hits at the end As far as some uh, quick questions that I asked him about Coach Cower, Pittsburgh As well as favorite stadium and things of that nature So LeVon Kirkland, this was a surprise Because once I contacted him He was down and ready to do it To the point where I had him on for over an hour so that's why I'm sure when you look and see Wait a minute, he had this guy on for an hour? Yes, I did So thanks to LeVon Crookman for that And that was my early Christmas gift that he gave me So here it is Paying it forward For those getting ready to unwrap more gifts Or you're having a little hot chocolate there With your breakfast Or even if it's later in the day Maybe you're out and about Traveling to a family's house Or someone that you are close to Get ready to listen To what LeVon Kirkland Former All-Pro linebacker Of the NFL Pittsburgh Steelers Has to say As I deliver this to you On this very Merry Christmas All right, so on the line I have here LeVon Kirkland Former Pittsburgh Steeler Also played With the Seattle Seahawks Philadelphia Eagles Obviously a very Big part of the Steel Defense back in the mid 90s And he joins me here today LeVon thank you so much Again for tuning in And uh, joining me On the uh, podcast Uh, How's everything?
1: Uh, thank you for having me. Everything is really good. I appreciate you uh, calling me, and happy holidays.
0: Oh, much appreciated, uh, LeVon. And uh, first off, all the NFL fans, including the Steeler Nation out there, are wondering what has LeVon Kirkland been up to these days. If you could give us an idea of what's been happening post-NFL career, uh, give us a take on what's happening with LeVon Kirkland.
1: Well, at this point in time, currently what I'm doing is I'm the VP of Development, with the south carolina football hall of fame and we are a nonprofit. and what we do is we try to make a difference through football by educating empowering and encouraging student athletes so at this point in time that's what i'm doing and um, you know i've done some other things as far as um, being a football coach on you know all three levels high school college and pro and uh, currently i'm also doing uh, camps for adidas and rivals um, we usually start in February, every February, and this will be my, I think, my third year doing these camps. So we go all over the country. Um, most of these guys are three, four, five-star guys hmm. that we are training and helping to be the very best they can be.
0: That's great. So you have your fingerprints on uh, many different aspects of football, whether it be, like you mentioned, the uh, Hall of Fame, which you were inducted not so long ago, and I'm sure that had to be a great honor considering that you played your Bullet, at uh, Clemson and obviously you're from South Carolina, so that must have been a tremendous honor when that uh, took place.
1: Oh, well, it's the Ring of Honor, so yes. I know a lot of people say Hall of Fame, but actually it's the Ring of Honor. Oh, my apologies. It's the <laughs> no problem. It's the highest award you can get as far at Clemson for a student athlete and they do a nice little ceremony where you kinda of walk on the field and they reveal your name on on the stadium usually inside the stadium so there's only been maybe seven or eight guys from the football um department that have been they've uh, been on the um on death valley so for me is um a tremendous honor and um it was really a surprise that i got to share it with my family and my kids so it's really cool
0: oh no that's uh certainly must have been an achievement and uh, an experience of a lifetime that's for sure And uh, speaking of your college days, I know obviously being a captain on that uh, 91 team and of course being drafted by the Steelers, uh, what was that whole process like, getting ready to take your uh, talents to the NFL and uh, not knowing where you would land? Was it important for you to just make it onto any squad as far as being drafted is concerned? Or did you feel as if uh, you belonged in round one considering your achievements in your final year at Clemson?
1: Well, in my experience, I was going to be a tweener because I wasn't what they were looking for as an as outside backer, and that's what I played at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the All-Star Games, like the Senior Bowl, they moved me to inside. And, you know, I really thought that would hurt my status. But in reality, it really was a godsend. And I had a really good practice, and that helped. I think some teams kind of decide whether they're going to put me inside or out. But I, I thought that would make that would kind of bring me down as far as draft is concerned. So, you know, I think i I think I proved to be a first rounder, and but I kind of saw myself going early second round. Mm-hmm. And when I when I realized that I wasn't going to go to first round, the first team I thought about was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, is that right? And I went into, <laughs> so I actually went into the bathroom. Quick story. <laughs> And I looked in the mirror, and I said, they're, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick me. And I actually went back to the kitchen, sat by the phone, and sure enough, the phone rang. And that was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I was um, fortunately and blessed enough to be the 38th pick.
0: No, and that's amazing just to think that uh, you put it out there in existence, and sure enough, uh, the good Lord uh, certainly paid you back in that regard. And uh, considering that 92-year... So, no, absolutely. And considering that 92-year... Uh, that was, of course, the first year of Bill Cowher. We all know before that was the Chuck Knoll era, who, of course, brought four Super Bowls titles to Pittsburgh. And then now here was the new guy in town, as well as the rookie being on this team. Uh, what was that like? Because as we all know, historically, for the Steeler, for the Steeler fan like myself and for those out there, that uh, generally they don't start rookies. And knowing that you had guys like Hardy Nickerson and even David Little who were ahead of you, is just as far as the inside linebackers are concerned, because, of course, that's where you played. Starting uh, in ninety three but uh, kind of walk us through what that uh, rookie year was like, especially with a rookie head coach and a new regime in Pittsburgh.
1: Well, you know honestly it was it was scary to be honest with you. Mm. Um, especially when training camps started. I, I thought I did well doing the pre you know pre camps and the mini camps as they called them back then. I thought I did well, but I know I didn't quite have the experience to go out there and start right away. So for me, it was um, actually worked that I got a chance to sit behind those guys for a while, understood the position, play some special teams, Mm -hmm. and get really familiar with what I was doing. But the next year, I vowed that I was going to be a starter. Hardy had left. And Jerry O was really taking Hardy's position, so it was really a fight for me and David Little. And, you know, going into the training camp, I was confident that I can could play that position. And, you know, I got this—I got really the start after the Jets' preseason game. And they had um, let David Little go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was tough those first couple of days because, you know, back then, you know, David Little played for 12 years. He was definitely the leader on the team. And, you know, here's this guy who's never played inside backer before and the starting position, is now I'm um, the guy who's calling the signals. And we had guys like Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green, Lake, Rod Woodson. Mm-hmm. So, and we had some guys who were veterans, and I was just a, a new guy. And so that transition was a little difficult, but Coach Carr really basically told me that I, I need to take over the huddle <laughs> at some <laughs> point in time, and I wasn't that you know in college i didn't have to do anything like that so i had to basically kind of fake it until i made it oh look at that and um but um, i I knew i could play i was i knew i was a good athlete but the position is a little bit more cerebral so it took me a little time to really get it down but you know i did well enough that first year that you know i remained a starter for a long time and and actually i just thought i just got you know just really got better and
0: better every year. No, oh, of course. And then the thing is that after that 92 season, like you mentioned, 93 was your first year starting and you come off a playoff year, which you lose to Buffalo in that first round. And then next year, obviously expectations through the roof. And I know you mentioned uh, Jerry Osovsky, who I, I'll never forget to this day, suffered that gruesome knee injury in Cleveland, which uh, believe yeah. it or not, Levon, you're going to laugh. It still haunts me to this day that Eric Metcalf ran back two punts in that game. And uh, I tell you, geez, just uh, thinking about it. And I was what, 26 years ago? But it's the Browns and, you yeah, know, obviously. Yeah. You, <laughs> but at the same time, you certainly elevated your game. And just like you said, to be the signal caller, to be the quarterback of the defensive huddle and uh, taking over the reins of that, considering that that season did lead to a playoff uh, matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. And just to think, they were fourth and seven away or fourth and goal, I believe it was. Uh, you kind of take us back to that whole playoff game and especially that last play. Of course, it was the great Joe Montana. Obviously, but uh, what was your experience like playing or starting in your first playoff game in Kansas City?
1: Uh, Well, you know, playing against Joe Montana was just like a dream come true for me. Uh, I remember him and what he did in those Super Bowls, you know, back in the day, and how he was um, a part of the very innovative West Coast style of play and. I mean, he was tremendous, so to be able to line across from him was definitely an experience that i never forget. But also, um, they had another, you know, they had a running back who was a Hall of Famer also Of course. at that time. And, you know, I, I actually made a tackle on him behind the line of scrimmage, Marcus Allen. Mm-hmm. So for me, that game was just um, tremendous because you saw those guys on TV and how how great they were and because, you know, really they become um, Hall of Famers that you were able to, you know, lift your game up. And I think I, I think that game maybe had a bunch of tackles. But to walk through, really Montana wasn't playing that great. We're really playing well against them. I thought like, man, we got this game and and all of a sudden you hear this little that that two thump that nobody likes to hear, that little boop boop, and that's when the punt is getting blocked. Yeah, Mark Royals. Yep. They yeah, basically put them. Yeah, they basically put him in great position, and um, we had him at fourth and seven, and it seemed like Joe Montana came to life. They scored, and then they got the ball back, and then at the time, the rules were overtime was a little different than it is now. Of
2: course.
1: Um, so it was really crucial to get that ball first. And a lot of times getting the ball first would probably give you momentum at least to get down to, um, to a field goal. And, and he basically kind of nickel and dimed us all the way down and they kicked the field goal and they won. And that was a game that, you know, we um, we just didn't get over the hump yet. You know, we, we were a good team, but we really didn't know how to win in the playoffs. So that game was really, it actually kind of helped us get ready for the following years. And it seemed like we always kind of, we improve and then, you know, the first year we lost to the Buffalo Bills. You mm-hmm. know, we got kind of killed. And then Kansas City, we played well, lost a game. The next year we go to, we play Cleveland, we got home field advantage, we smashed those guys. Oh yeah. We played the Chargers and it seems like we don't win against the Chargers. They're kind of on the dog and We actually let that game slide away from us. And then the next year, you know, we we understood. But it took us a little while to get to the Super Bowl. It really did. And I actually think the 94 team was probably our better team. But the 95 team was a little, little bit more experienced and understood and battle-tested and, you know, it was going to take do whatever it took to win the Super Bowl. Even, <laughs> if you would have gave us another year, we might have won the whole thing.
0: Oh, I could definitely see that. And it's funny you mentioned about that 94 season. Uh, even going back to the 92 game. Now, I understand Buffalo, they've been to a couple of Super Bowls leading into that playoff game. Obviously, the week before, they had the big win against the Oilers, the 35-3 to comeback. And I'll never forget, Richard Shelton had a pick six right in his hands at 7-3. And then that turned the game around. And the next thing you know, Buffalo scores a touchdown and away they went. But... The '94 game, or well, the '94 season was, to me, was a magical season from this regard because, like you said, '92, uh, you kind of put your fingerprints on the lead to say the Steelers were back. Then '93, maybe just a little bit of a step back, considering that you had uh, the one seed in '92, uh, then you had the six seed as a wild card. '94, of course, you uh, had the top seed and pretty much steamrolled into the playoffs. Uh, like you said, you killed uh, Cleveland. Actually, beat them three times that year. And then the Charger game, which uh, to this day, even watching Super Bowl 30, as tough as that was, to me, that was the toughest loss that I've ever experienced as a Steel fan. You had a big, what was it, eight and a half point uh, favorite against the Chargers. Uh, Everything with the San Diego, their weather, they they couldn't come to Pittsburgh and play in that, that type of environment. And sure enough, it happened to be one of those rainy, almost like a 50 degree day, it was just one of those things that I was hoping for like a 20-degree day and it would be freezing and then it would just go back to San Diego while Pittsburgh would be heading into the Super Bowl. But I tell you, kind of walk us through that game, that experience, and, of course, Neil O'Donnell, three more yards. That was the mantra for 95. Uh, what was that like, to, just to experience that game and then the aftermath of that?
1: Yeah, I think that game was um, – that game to me was the toughest loss that we had. Hmm because we came in and we were just so on fire. We we played well all year long and our defense from from my perspective was a good mix of young guys, it's almost half young guys, veteran guys, but we were all, you know, very much in our prime and we were all in that defense for at least two years so we we now understood each other and we knew Um, How to play off one another. Me and Chad, you know, we were really inexperienced linebackers in the 92, you know, 93 year. Mm -hmm. But this year we came back and we were were able to use our athletic ability a little bit better. We were making more plays. We were a lot more confident in what we're doing. And you had Greg and Kevin on the outside who were tremendous.
0: We didn't really have,
1: in my opinion, a weak link on that defense at that time. And going into the Going into the San Diego game, you you, you know they beat us the year. They beat us that year.
0: The final game but of the season. We, I remember yeah, that it was on Christmas Eve.
1: Guys, yeah, we had a lot of guys on the sideline. So you, you, the conventional thinking was, right? Well, we're going to handle these guys. And the first drive, I think our offense took it down. I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to be. We're going to do our thing. And we, you know, we played a good game, but we kept. They kept hanging around, mm-hmm. and this is the thing that the lesson I learned in this one is really you can never ever take anybody for granted and you can't give them bulls and board material stuff to motivate them anymore um, and I think we did that as a as a team and they got big plays on us they got the one play where the the tight end goes down the sideline, and we just missed him, you know, just Mm -hmm. a play-action pass. He just kind of got deep on us. And then the Martin play at the very end, where we're still, I mean, we basically led the game the whole time. Oh, yeah. But the Martin play was, you know, we had cover three on, and you know, we let the guy get by us, and even through that, we drove all the way down and got to the three-yard line. Once we got to the three, I was thinking, "Okay, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta punch this in some kind of way," and we just didn't. And Junior I played out of his mind mm-hmm. that game. He really did. He just he was all over the place. But that's just another uh, another lesson that you just really can't let a team hang in there. You can't buy into. The outside world and what they're saying, and I think that after that game, we really matured, and we had some obstacles that really happened the, the year after.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we struggled that first, you know, first part of the season, but we, we ended up running off eight straight play, eight straight games.
0: Mm-hmm. Remember and well.
1: Then, and then we got to that Super Bowl. We were going to get once we got to the AFC Championship. Um, we were we knew we were going to get there some kind of way, some kind of high. And even that game was stressful because, I mean, we were down. We got to a fourth and three, ironically. <laughs> we ended up getting it. And, I mean, they still, they still fall to the end, but we were able to prevail. And it's just seemed like we always had to learn a lesson through it. It was never anything easy. We just always learning lessons as we went along. But, yeah, that 94 game was a, a tough loss. It really
0: was. No, it was brutal. And uh, and who would have thought that a year later, you'd make it to the Super Bowl. And especially, like you said, it would always be tooth and nail. It would never be a thing where, hey, we're going to just coast. And, of course, it's never easy getting to a Super Bowl, let alone winning it. But to talk about that 95 championship game, that was one that, I tell you, if you had, if you were on heart medication, boy, you would have gone through it in the, like the first hour and a half. Because between the Quentin Corriott almost having that interception... Willie Williams stopping Lamont Warren on a third and one, which was enormous at that time. Like you mentioned, the fourth and three, that was Andre Hastings. I'm going through these plays in my head like I've just watched this last week, uh, LeVon. It's amazing. And then, of course, how could we forget the Hail Mary at the end of the game? Um, what were your All thoughts? Right. I mean, obviously, you must you were on the field, so I'm sure when you're looking toward the end zone and you kind of see the ball, or if you were able to see the ball, who knows? But what was that like? I'm sure you probably, uh, your heart was in your throat there for about uh, five seconds uh, when that play developed. Uh, uh.
1: It was heart-wrenching because, I mean, honestly, I didn't know if he didn't catch the ball because it looked right. like he caught it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the sideline view. But the referees were pretty, you know, pretty solid about the call. They knew it. And it, it did fall to the ground, man. It was just hellation after that because it was a long road. I mean, we um, we really – it was a core players that were there for those times, of, you know, into – Go through that, and I mean, it was like, could you make it easy for us just one time? <laughs> it just seemed like it always came down to it, and we were able to survive that. So that was pretty. That was pretty cool, man. And being able to go to Super Bowl and and being able to watch who we're gonna see—it and mm-hmm. it was a great time. It really was. But man, we had to go through every little step that you could have possibly went through, and you know. When we got to the Super Bowl, I think we had some jitters at first, but as the game went along, I thought we played well enough that we should have won. Um, Two interceptions really Mm -hmm. put us in a hole, especially that last one really put us in a hole because I thought we had momentum the whole time. Defensively, I I don't think they could have drilled the ball on us, really, offensively. They just really couldn't. We really did a good job of um, stuffing their run and playing well enough to win, but, you know, goes to show you again we had another lesson yep you can't turn the ball over you you just can't give a really good team the opportunity to um start first and 10 on a 10-yard line (laughs) you just can't (laughs) give the Dallas cowboys that kind of um advantage and and also we didn't get any turnovers either right and although i think head to head we played them well, enough to win. That was a really good team, and we had to really play perfect ball to beat them. And it goes back to a a quote that I've heard before that, you know, teams lose games more so than <laughs> the other team winning. Right. And I think we just lost that game. We just found a way, you know, those turnovers, um, it bit us, you know, and I think that. You know, when I look at games now, you know I've, I've had so much experience, and mm-hmm. that you don't really take anybody for granted because you know that teams can beat you, especially when you don't have any control. You understand that there is a philosophy, there is an energy out there that you you have to be careful um, to overlook it. And it just seemed like every year we went through that progression. I think probably in the next year, if you keep that core of that team together, we'd probably go on to win, finally win a Super Bowl. But um, it didn't happen. And, you know, I thought we did our first several years. We did a great job of just always finding a way to be a, a good playoff team. And we, we fought tooth and nail all the time. But we just really could never get over the hump.
0: No, and that was a tough thing about those teams as uh, as good as they were and certainly Super Bowl worthy, uh, obviously the one year, but uh, like you said, just being able to get over the hump. Uh, now, two things about that uh, Super Bowl. Well, one in particular, when you talked about be- just being that close, I'll never forget that defensive series uh, late. I believe it was right before, unfortunately, the second interception that uh, Neil O'Donnell threw to Larry Brown where you had a sack on Troy Aikman, and then right after that, that's when Aikman went to – Irvin on the sideline and Rod Woodson broke it up and he pointed to his knee. And I thought to myself, when the Steelers got the ball at that point, I said, they're going to go ahead and score because all the momentum was on your side. Uh, Of course, Dallas didn't really do anything offensively, especially in the second half, uh, despite the turnover there that led to the touchdown at 20-7. to So just to think that you were just that close, and like you said, you were pretty much head to head, but those mistakes were the ones that killed you. Uh, Kind of walk us through even that sequence there when you got to Aikman and then pretty much getting off the field. After that pass there, that was incomplete to Irvin.
1: Well, it was kind of funny because I was a I was a good player at that time, you know. But that game really kind of launched me, and really this that second half of the season, I I was really playing very solid. But uh, I got told by Matt Millen that you know that I was the dark horse, and that you know to trust my eyes, and I started doing that, and I. I thought that game I really was in tune what was happening I really trust myself and you know um the play before they they kind of got a slant on us and I should have pushed over Mm. and I was like okay I gotta make this play up and we called close zebra zone line that was really basically one side we kind of flood one side and Um, the defensive end goes into the B-gap and I go right off his butt and Kevin is going to take the outside blocker with him. And sure enough, um, it was working. And I'm telling you, I I did get Troy Aikman and I did sack him. Uh But if Emmitt Smith doesn't come over in the last second, I'm telling you, (laughs) I might have knocked Troy Aikman out of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I he was going to fumble the ball, but... I saw Emin at the last minute, so I jumped and kind of just swiped at Aikman, and I guess that breeze kind of got him. Yep. So, so sack. It was a big time play, and we we stopped him on third down. And I'm thinking to myself, man, man, we're gonna win this game. Mm. I really, I've, I felt that last night. Like, man, we've we've come too far. I mean, we were three and four and. And you know we're we're fighting tooth and nail with these guys, and we're we're down only by three points. We get the ball, I think, in pretty good position. I'm not really sure, but I'm thinking to myself, man, we're, we're gonna win this game. We're gonna win. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, if we win, I might possibly get the MVP. Yeah. And as soon as I said that, I think that Neil <laughs> through the interception. Ah, jeez. And they drove it all the way. You know, they run it all the way down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we 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 get to a point where um, this is the one time that I I really should have made a play, but I scrape outside. But I'm trying to make sure that Emma doesn't get outside of me because I'm thinking Chad is coming, he's coming across,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he's going to make the tackle. And it makes it seem like I overran him a little bit, and he kind of cuts back inside. But I'm thinking Chad's going to be right there.
2: Yeah,
1: and I I probably should have just just made a play. Just, just be a player, mm. but um, I didn't, and, you know, he ended up getting in the end zone, and that was it, it really was, but for me, it, even though that play was that play, it really helped me confidence-wise going into the next year, and I think that's when I really stepped it up as a player, because we got, you know, Greg got hurt that next year, and um, Jason got hurt, and we got a down and linebackers, and this was the first time they allowed me to play on third down as um, the inside backer. And I think I showed and proved to everyone that I was a lot more versatile than everybody
0: thought. And that's so, the one... Gary. No, go ahead, LeVon. I'm sorry. Mm, oh, no, go ahead. No, you right ready. Oh, no. What I was going to say was that for the younger fan that's out there or for the younger listener, I should say, the one thing about you, LeVon, is that obviously in this day and age, everybody talks about the hybrid linebacker. And even though you may not have been the prototypical... Hybrid linebacker, but you were a guy that obviously were able to get pressure up the middle, but you also covered tight ends like you were a blanket. And that's the one thing for a guy that, you know, of your stature, you know, everybody looks at the speedy linebacker. And that's not to say that you didn't have speed by any stretch, but obviously you, when you came through that line, just like you did in the Super Bowl with Troy Aikman, but you were also able to go back and, let's say, guard a Jay Novacek or guard one of the, you know, the, the top tight end of the other team. So that kind of gets lost in the shuffle here when people think of Levon Kirkland, because of course, everybody's going to look at Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green, even to a certain extent, Chad Brown, once Greg Lloyd was hurt, he became a big-time pass rusher, but obviously, you being a quarterback of that defense, you certainly did more than your yeoman's work of uh, defense there for that Steeler team.
1: Well, I I agree with you in in that standpoint that I was, I did it, but you know, the funny thing was, covering tight ends and I did it all the time, mm-hmm. but nobody really kind of paid attention. Right. But I did it a lot, you know, even in my first, you know, first, second, my second year, third year, fourth year, I did it a lot. I mean, I, I covered guys a lot. But I think people who were in the game understood that. I mean, other coaches, other players, they understood that. But really when I got into be a third down back, a third down linebacker now that's when people really kind of notice it because i had like three interceptions the first first two or three games mm-hmm. so now people are like wow this guy can really cover and they looked at the they looked at the super bowl that you know we really i had a good game in that game now people are recognizing that wow he's a little bit more versatile than we thought i think the steelers knew but um Unfortunately, it took Greg Lloyd getting hurt for me to ever get an opportunity to really showcase my cover still Because I was a really good cover linebacker, whether it be in own whether it be in man-to-man, but in the in the in the scheme of the game, or it, it got lost. <laughs> you know, it really right. did. You know, unless they were throwing deep downfield, and I'm running with a tight end, and everybody's like, wow, you can actually run with these right. guys. Right. <laughs> actually not only run with them, but make a play on the ball. Of course. So that year was the year that, you know, I made a couple down-the-field interceptions, and all like, oh, this guy's running 30 or 40 yards downfield covering a tight end, and he's actually making plays on the ball. And, you know, the run stuff, really, to me, the cover stuff was the easier stuff. The run stuff was not as easy, but I was able to really – the game started slowing down for me so I can make plays in a running game. But I was always a pretty good pass-covering guy.
0: No, absolutely. And uh, one of the things is, going back to that 96 season, like you said, your game just elevated year after year. To the point where, unfortunately, that was the one year that kind of reminded me a little bit of the 93 season in a sense where you played in the wild card game against Indianapolis and destroyed them. Funny enough, it was against uh, Jim Harbaugh again, a rematch of the AFC Championship game. Obviously a much different result, but then you had that crazy Fog Bowl game in Foxborough, where uh, Curtis Martin you know, ran roughshod over you guys, and that was tough. But then to go back to the next year to 97, that kind of felt like 94 all over again where here you are, you just steamrolled in the regular season, actually caught a break with Denver winning in Kansas City, so you are able to host the game, the uh, AFC Championship game, and of course, you also had a big play in that game, too, getting you know, Terrell Davis to fumble, and that was uh, that was tough, another tough loss, too, without question, and uh, what do you think about that 97 season, LeVon, and of course, that was your ultimate year where you became not only to a Pro Bowler, but also first-team All-Pro, so that had to be a special season overall, despite not making it to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, uh, I think at that time my confidence was um, through the roof, and you know, honestly, Greg Lloyd came back, and they were going to put him back on third down. Mm. So although I had the although I had the season that I had during the the preseason, they had him ahead of me. Now at that point in time, I thought I was better than he was at the third down. Third down, I thought I was a better. Linebacker, because I could play. You know, if they run like a draw or something like that, I was because I could read it and I played it um, all through my career. I felt like I can do that. And then I thought, well, production-wise, like he really never got interceptions, but I was getting interceptions. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quite understand it, but I was, I was really professional about it, and I didn't complain about it. Didn't say anything. It actually told a reporter, Ed Bruce Ed, who came up to me, he's like, why aren't you playing on third down? I'm like, that's not my decision to make. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be ready if they need me to play on third down, but I basically told him that it wasn't my decision to make. So I get a I get a, a handwritten note from Tom Donahoe and saying, like, man, you really handle that like a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really appreciate you doing that. But you know, as the season went on that year, they—I think Tim Hasley was the coach—and he kind of like, okay, LeBron is a little better at third down. Greg was a little banged up too, to be fair to him. But that year was—I felt like I was the best linebacker in the um, in the NFL. I didn't feel like anybody was better than me, and that year I just really proved it. It it just worked out for me just you know the game really just slowed down for me Mm -hmm. The game wasn't you know, I I saw it before it happened a lot of times and You know, I and I'm just really playing well because I think with any player you got to have a confidence that That you can play and that not only that you can play that you're the best and if you don't have that confidence then you know you're not going to play up to par and I felt like I just played up to par we we did, we had a lot of changes you know yeah. <laughs> uh, we just had a lot of changes then I mean you think about it I think I, I was one of the guys who was still there I think Joel Steve was still there Tim mm-hmm. Perry so the middle three guys we were still there but Chad had left which I thought was a tremendous mistake because I think of Chad Brown stage. You have Jason Gillen and Chad Brown oh, yeah. on the outsides. And um, Earl, Earl Holmes had developed as our other inside backer. And I thought that we were going to have another great group of linebackers that were just going to be just wrecking havoc. You're talking about younger guys, guys who understand the scheme. So we we you know we had some guys who left. You know? I mean, we still had, like, mm-hmm. um, I think – but Darren and we had Will, and no no Willie Wilson left too. Yeah, well, yeah, Willie exactly. Seattle. I think, I think Rod Wilson was gone. No, he
0: was gone also. Danelle so, Wolford. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had, um, you know, I don't know. If Preston Buckner was there. So we were, we were pretty new. We weren't the same defense, but we, we played well. We really did. We just kind of gasped people, and you know, it was a uh, right. you know, Dick LeBeau wasn't there, so mm-hmm. it was it was a different vibe, but we were still really, you know, one of those teams that you have left over and they're still good. And so we were that team that we were still a very good team. But we we lost a little bit too as far as um, the guys we had on the field and understanding each other and knowing what we were going to do. So uh, we still had a great year, and Cordell played lights out. Mm-hmm. That year, and Kansas City playing, Penn played great. And then we had the bus, so we had a lot of a lot of pieces in play. And honestly, I wanted to play at Kansas City.
0: Mm. Interesting. I didn't
1: I, I didn't. I wanted to play Kansas City because I knew we'd beat Kansas City when we beat the Broncos that year. Now they were a great team, but they were off that game they were dropping passes but they still got out on us pretty early but we you know we caught fire, and we we ended up just beating them down but I didn't want to play them again mm. you know I I really wanted Kansas City to win because I knew we can go down to Kansas City and we're going to beat them I knew we we're going to beat them but when we played against Denver I knew it was going to be a dog fight I I had confidence that we can win it but it was going to be a dog fight because they were loaded over there i mean john elway he was a little older but i mean terrell davis kind of cared him a little bit mm-hmm. they had guys who can catch the ball and then again we, we 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 still had four interceptions we still had turnovers and yep. you can't have turnovers against a very good team you just can't turn it over if i was a coach i would tell all my teams Dad. man, as long as we don't give up the big play, as long as we don't give up turnovers, we have the opportunity to win the game. But when you give up turnovers and you let them get big plays on you, um, you give them an advantage, especially a really good team. A really good team is going to find a way, especially if they played you before, they're going to find a way to exploit um, you. And I think they did a good job of that.
0: Well, it's interesting because with everything you said, and you were 1000% uh, correct, Levon, it did come down to that. I believe it was a third and six, 24 21 deep in Bronco territory. And I know to this day, John Elway says he just told Shannon Sharp, it was almost like he drew it up on the Three Rivers turf to say, hey, wow. just make sure you're open and that's it. And I know when that ball was thrown and it was a small window, and for whatever the reason, it looked like the ball caught Shannon Sharp as opposed to Shannon Sharp catching that ball. And of course, they just needed that first down, and that was the game. Um, does that play ring a bell? Uh, uh, does does yeah, that haunt you over there. and over? <laughs> Who knows? You know, all these years yeah. later.
1: Well, the thing. Well, the thing was, we ran that defense before, and they motioned out the guy, and I had the back man to man. They just, and they just took him all the way out mm. to the sideline. And I'm telling you, when they did that, I almost wanted to. Like, switch it up and guard Shannon Sharp because I knew that's where they were going. And I knew that I could cover Shannon Mm -hmm. because um, two plays before that, I got an interception and then they tried to throw it deep on me and I, you know, I covered up, just kind of backed the ball down in the end zone. Mm -hmm. So when that play happened, Jason was on him and Jason had good coverage, but I don't think Jason was as good as trying, you know, Mm -hmm. understanding tight ends, looking at the ball things like that which i've done so i think if i would have been on shanning then i know i would have stopped tomorrow at least intercepted the ball so a lot of times it's about the players really not about the play and when they motioned me out i was like oh <laughs> they're not they were not going to throw to the running back at the time right it, it wouldn't even terrell Davis. i don't think terrell Davis was in the game they motioned out i ran out and then they just they they had it. They had the perfect coverage. I I wanted to just almost switch. I almost switched that play. I almost like calling off because I knew now they're going to go to Shannon because now they had the space to do it. I mean, there was nobody really in the middle, right. and Jason was kind of coming off. And I think we went with the play, and John Elway just like, "Hey man, just get open."
0: That's it. <laughs> That's it. You know, yeah. and
1: and when they got that play, that pretty much broke our hearts, and then. Terrell ran a really long pie yeah. in, and that was it. But it was, a, it was a really good game. It really
0: was. Oh, no, certainly. And then, unfortunately, the three years after that, no playoffs. It was a time, like you said, that the team was a little bit of a transition, especially from the defensive side. And, of course, never made it to the playoffs as the rest of your tenure in Pittsburgh. And uh, I'm sure that had to be tough, too, considering you had all those close calls. And what were those final three years like, considering that you had all the success early on, even made it to a Super Bowl, and then those final three years— Obviously, you didn't come close to making it to the postseason.
1: Oh, it was tough because, you know, honestly, nobody was really used to losing. Right. We always thought that we would find a way. And, you know, we, we, we changed as a team. It wasn't the same team, you know. It just was – it was different. It wasn't a guy. It, I'm telling you, we first – those first couple of years, man, it seemed like the personnel we had was tailor-made to what we did. Right. Like – they we just had the right pieces. There was like at one time I went in and thinking, especially like ninety four and stuff like that, like man, we are there is no weak spot on this defense. Everybody is good. Like that's how it felt. And then, you know, after that year we just kinda you know, it wasn't really the same team. I mean we we actually end up being we're winning and then we just we just didn't have the guys I don't think. And it's just, you know, and once you become a bad team, you, you you don't really understand what it takes to win. Because bad teams usually think they're going to lose. All right. No, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't let anybody fool you. No. They, they think they're going to lose. <clears throat> they're they hoping that they win. You know, they, they get a good start or something like that. But in the back of their minds, they know that something's going to happen and they're gonna lose the game. And we started being that team where we one time we were a team where, you know, no matter what the circumstances, we're gonna win that game. But we went we weren't quite that team, you know. I think Yancey had gone or he yep. wasn't there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we just didn't have any you know, we had some decent guys but not the playmakers that we had. I mean we had the bus, um who was definitely still a great player. We, we had some spots but we, we didn't have that collection of guys that um knew and just kinda really had that still attitude. We wasn't quite there. So, um it was kinda bad too because, you know, those two years I won the M V P the years we really kinda stuck yes. out the place. <laughs> um, the year before I left, uh, we became really good. We uh those that year we started off like oh and three. I I hurt my ankle that year, but as the season went along, man, we played really well. And I think that we were a team that if we would have had a run, if we'd have gotten in the playoffs, I think we could have made a nice run because Cordell was playing really well. We we had the bus. Our defense was, you know, getting there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I even said it, like, you know, after the after the San Diego game that we are going to You know, next year, everybody need to watch out. And I thought I was going to be on that team. But, you know, unfortunately, I I think they wanted to go a different direction. And that hurt because I felt like I was a a soldier for that team. I felt like um, that I did a lot of the dirty work. And and even the losing seasons, I played well. And, you know, just it it was just hard because I knew that team was going to be really good. I knew we were going to be really good. I knew we were going to come back with a lot of focus, and really, honestly, they did um, do that. They came back. They were game boxers. Yeah. They really were. But I think the one thing they missed was a guy on that defense who had a lot of experience, you know, uh, a lot of know-how, and, and, and probably could have helped that team play to um, be better, you know. Right. Just um, – because I've been through the wars, oh, of course. And, I mean, we had you know now they had Joey Porter at one side, and had Jason Gilden, so we knew now. And then we had Aaron Aaron um what's Aaron's last name? Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith, yeah, yeah. So we we had some like that front seven had, was starting to come back a little bit, and I think that I was a missing piece, to be honest with you. Mm. I think that I was the leader that would have helped us as defense go to the next level but that wasn't to be. so um right. you know just left there went to seattle and seattle was okay you know seattle you had to we, we had uh an average team that was didn't really know how to win and really turn it loose and have fun you know when i first got there it was just kind of quiet in the locker room it's just like okay this is different yeah. so um yeah so i mean um that year, you know, that I thought that Pittsburgh still a team, and I mean, they had all the momentum, They, in, but it doesn't really matter in the playoffs, you just gotta play, you gotta be ready for your opponent, you gotta understand that this playoff thing is a lot different than the regular season, you can't play like you play in the regular season, Right. and I think it's an intriguing thing, I think it's something that when you, you study it, it's I mean, fascinating, that you know, teams are they, – they got the whole home field advantage, and it seems like it's – but, man, it's different in the playoffs.
0: That's right. Yeah, just when you think that you have destiny in your own hands considering you have home field, and, it, right, it just takes that one play or just the one yeah. mistake that home you just
1: – Home field doesn't really mean that much. It, it should, but it doesn't always. It doesn't always play out that way because especially if you got a team that's – uh, a experienced team, a, a team to understand that, man, we're just, we're on ball. We're going, you know, we're going to go out here, we're going, we have nothing to lose. I think the home team is a little bit more distracted because, you know, whether it be people wanting to come to the game, mm-hmm. you know, all the hoopla, and all this outside noise that you have, you think that, okay, we're, you know, we're just going to show up and we're going to play because we're at our home field. And, right. It doesn't happen that way. In the playoffs, man, you just got a gotta ball because the other team is going to play the other team is playing at a different level also.
0: That's right. They're trying to attain what you're trying to attain and that's either getting to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. So, uh, certainly couldn't have said yeah. that any better. Uh, a few more quickies from me, LeVon. Uh, one, the game today, uh, do you still follow it? Are you still in contact with some of your old teammates? Uh, any idea of uh, what you think? Of course, now it's a totally different sport. Today than when you played of course But uh, just your thoughts about How the game is played today Even officiated to a certain extent And uh, would you Or could you even play In the league today Considering from when you played Back in the 90s
1: Well Oh boy I don't know To be honest with you I would hope I I think the great players The Hall of Fame players Definitely can play it in a period Mm -hmm. I I would hope that Things are relative And You know, you get the same training, you understand about eating, you you understand that. So in a standpoint, you hope that you would, but to be honest with you, I don't really know that. The game has changed a lot because they spread the ball out a bunch, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's tougher on the defense. And the rules are, I think, have always been more offensively, but they're really that way now where the quarterback is basically really guarded more so than ever. So you really can't do what I call the art of defense, and that means, you know, hitting a guy like two, you know, like one, two seconds late. Right. You know, really laying to him, which a lot of times I don't care how great the quarterback is; they do not like to be hit. Mm-hmm. They do not like to be hit flush. So even though you may not sack him, you can hit the guy late. You know, right. or if a guy is running across the middle, you know, shadow cross, you can you can get with him. And that was the art of defense, the intimidation part. Yes. Now, uh, there, there's not a lot of, um, to me, there's not a lot of intimidating defenses where you're like, "Holy cow, I want to play against these guys because these guys are no joke." And I think that's what we kind of brought when we really got it going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, like that '94 team. Man, people did not want to play us because we were all just into it, and we're all hitters, and it was a certain attitude that you had. Now you can't really bring that to the game. You can't. You can't bring that defensive attitude that you used to bring. And you can see in the tackling. Yeah. <laughs> the tackling is, a, and I don't want to be that old guy saying, oh, <laughs> you know, back in my day, but.
0: But it's true it, though.
1: It's evident. It's evident that tackling is not a premium. That people are really not tackling
0: <laughs> yeah. very well. No, of course. So that's why I think
1: you see. That's why I think you see all this explosion as far as offenses are concerned, because offense basically can do whatever they want to do. Yeah, <laughs> they can get away with passing interference. It's just, I mean, if you, know, you tub the guy, it's a passing interference. So I, I think the game is is for the casual fan, the Super Bowl fan. It's not for the. I think it's not for the curious Purest of people who really watch the game,
0: no, I totally agree but it's a little
1: different in that it's different in that way that you know offenses just have a bias, quarterback you're never getting hit mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times really you're going to get the call, you know yeah. a receiver is probably taught now, hey, you know you know two things you know, three things can happen, you know um, we' catch the ball, we're get a pass interference. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, receivers are, you know, catching balls. And I think the receivers, too, are the better athletes. Where I thought back in the day, DBs were kind of a little bit more athletic. Mm-hmm. But I think now the wide receivers are a little bit more athletic than the DBs are. Especially, I think the tight ends are just a total mismatch for linebackers or safeties. No, I- they are the body size. Yeah, it all started with you know, you know guys like Kellen, Kellen Winslow, guys mm-hmm. like that. But it was far, you know, you didn't really have a lot of those guys because people were still trying to, you know, the game was basically inside the box. But now that it's spread out, now you got these guys who play power forward yeah. in in college, and now they're <laughs> they're the tight ends, and <laughs> that's going to be a little difficult to um cover.
0: Oh, without question. And uh, also teammates uh, Who was one of your uh, Favorite teammates uh, Wherever you played Even if, obviously Pittsburgh was the majority Of your career Or even when you went To Seattle or Philly Who was the one guy That you enjoyed playing uh, Side by side Or maybe was behind you Or in front of you And that uh, you're still Friends with today
1: uh, You would ask me That question um, <laughs> Probably the guy That I really enjoy Even It's going to be funny You probably won't think Of this guy okay. But Briston Buckner Was the guy That I really enjoy because we were both from Clemson, of course, and yes. Doing the pregame, man, we would just have so much fun. We would have a <laughs> boy; he was so funny that you enjoyed playing with him. It's not to say that I didn't enjoy the other guys, because I really did. Right. But Preston was so much fun. I had—I don't know if I had that much fun until I, you know, until Preston came aboard, and we kind of had a rapport because we. We were college teammates, but Dan, man, he started playing. I think it was really that '94 year, man, yeah. and we had so much fun. We we cut up before the game, man. We it was really cool to play with him. Really was. So, um, especially when you got guys like you know, you know, sometimes football can be a little, you know, can be a little bit of a click. And, you know, you had guys that were on this level, then you had your other guys on the other level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The reason why I think we went to the Super Bowl that year because we really, as a team, and this was, i got to give a lot of credit to Greg Loy on this one. Mm-hmm. He, it was mandatory that we hung out, you know, every Friday, the whole team, no matter who you were, black, white, married, single. Yeah. You're going to hang out and i mean we play like paintball we go to the the local pool hall man have wings and just had we we actually went out as a team went out to the club one time as a team oh wow and we got to know each other a little bit better and i think that really helped and i think that's why we became a little closer as a team and i think when you're a close team you usually play harder for your guys
0: no, that uh makes a lot of sense. And especially in this day and age where everything is, you know, social media and people are just detached or disconnected, that to have that camaraderie like that, it seems like it's very rare in this now in this age as opposed to the when you played in the league.
1: Well, you know, I think that for the teams that don't make it probably so. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're taking their phones. I just remember like you just couldn't do that. Like mm-hmm. you just couldn't have your phone in the meeting. That was like I know no way it was kind of like the rule of being late like you couldn't be late it was a un, you know it's kind of a rule that wasn't written down but you just knew and i just know back then i mean we had phones not quite like it was but you know you, you like you left your cell phone no way you're gonna bring your cell phone in a meeting right no way <laughs> but now these guys you know and it's okay i mean it's just what it is but I think, like, you know, things like that, you know, are a distraction I mean, because our attention spans are not that great anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, I see people, we, you drive and you text. I oh. mean, people say, don't text and drive, but trust me, yeah. they're texting and driving because of the age that we're living in. So, yeah. I mean, is sports, is usually a micro, um, what is it, microcosm or something like that? Yes. That, it's kind of like it's life, you know, what you're doing in life, you're pretty much doing in your corporation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guys are just all over the place now. You're just not paying attention. So, And, you know, you can be famous or have a brand and just put it out there. That's right. Put it out there, especially playing something like NFL or especially NBA. I mean, like for football players, people don't really get to see you, and that was the thing. But right. now people know who you are. hmm they still, I mean, like, because the helmet is off and you're putting it all out there on social media with everything that you've ever done and you're showing everybody your highlights. Mm-hmm. So it's a different game. It's different people. I mean, that's just the way it
0: is. That's it, right? In 2019. And uh, now, now, the next thing I want to ask, I know it's a little touchy, but uh, considering, of course, you've been out of the game for quite some time. Uh, of course, everybody talks about not only just the physical health, the toll that you take physically from playing, but also for the mental approach. And, of course, concussions. Uh, how's your health been over the years? Because, of course, that kind of gets swept under the rug, unfortunately, with some of the guys who played in the league, you know, many years ago. So, first and foremost, uh, how are you doing? It seems like, hey, you're sharp as tack. Just uh, talking with you today, and I'm glad that, you know, you seem like you remember everything from going back to all these games. So, uh, from a health standpoint, how are you feeling? Well,
1: you know, i I think it with anything I think that that does take a toll on your body, and you know i, I think I'm been pretty good physical health and definitely good mental health, but it's tough too, mm. because I think that you played a game that it was all structure you and now you're out of it, and you're trying to you're still trying to figure it out because honestly, the thing is nothing will compare the game it's going to be tough. To compare the game. So you have to kind of set your mind on doing something else. You know, even if you're sharp, you have to always keep your mind, um, make sure that it's, it's in the right places. I, I think of for me, that's what it is. It's like just making sure that you're in the right place. Because I've had, you know, I've had some things that happened that was kind of tragic as far as, you know, uh, losing a wife to cancer, losing a yes. parents, you know, everybody kind of rehabilitating the same way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: same time frame, and that takes a toll, you know, it really does. No, so, of course. I think for me, it's just, you know, just being able to be mindful, but I don't feel like I forget things, I feel like I am sharper, I feel like um, I know things, it's not like, you know, I'm leaving my keys or anything right. like that. <laughs> so no, that's great. In a lot of ways. No, of course. So, um, yeah, but I, I think it, you know, yeah, I can see it being a problem, man. I think nowadays this mental health is is crucial for everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. People go people go through life alone, and that, that's hard, you know. You don't want to ever be alone and not have that perce- um, perception. I think the only, like, one of the things that I probably would have done better was to let people more in, but it was a different day back then. Right. I mean, right. we are just... You we were expected to do your job no matter what. No matter what was going on, that was not talked about. Nobody wanted to hear it. Um, if you had problems or you had issues, you had to be whatever that image was, especially playing linebacker. You just had to be that image, man. That's what people looked at you as, yeah. like, wow, this guy is a real man but I would I would tell any athlete, anybody that anybody that's listening, man, make sure you have a network that you can really talk to right? and they can support you and um, whether you play for a long time or not play for a long time you need people giving you a better perspective or fresher perspective than you normally would have because a lot of us we did it on our own or not really on our own but man it takes a lot of work to get to that level and to stay on that level for especially as long as I did and sure I think that a lot of times you, you have a formula then, you know, after your career or several years later, that formula doesn't quite work. So you need the help. So right. that's what I would tell anybody, you know, anybody making the transition that you need
0: perspective. No, of course. All right. Now I'm just going to run a few rapid fire questions for you before we uh, say goodbye here. Uh, what was your okay. favorite? Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? No, I said sure. Okay. Oh, okay. So, my apologies, Levon. Um, first off, what was your favorite stadium to play in?
1: Kansas City.
0: Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Interesting. No, and that place was loud too. Of course. So. Um, and
1: it feels like a college. It feels like a college field, a barbecue, and all that stuff. <laughs> Kansas
0: City. No, absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, also, when uh, you looked at the schedule and you realized, oh, geez, I got to go up against this guy, whether it was offensive lineman or even just uh, one of the skilled position players. Out of the backfield, uh, tight end, whatever it may be, what was the one guy that you just kind of shut? Not want to say shuttered, just a little strong, but a guy that you just said, "Oh no, this is going to be a long day today." Barry Sanders. Mm. And it's funny, but you bring Barry Sanders up. I think in '95, Rod Woodson. Uh, geez, that uh, that turned around yeah, at yeah. that point of season. We yeah. thought not having Rod there, but of course that was the year you guys went to Super Bowl. So uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, it is uh, amazing. Uh, Coach Cower, uh Thoughts about him Especially Like I said earlier You both came in in 92 What was it like Playing for him
1: He was fiery He mm. was fiery He I thought he related Pretty well with the players But being young Being fiery man he just You can feel his emotion that I think That's the way we played
0: What about your Super Bowl experience If there was one thing That sticks out What was it
1: Well I was a captain On that team First and foremost uh-huh. Just in my fourth year and Damani Dawson tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, man, look, this is Vanessa Williams. Ah. <laughs> so I looked at Vanessa Williams, and I'm like, hmm, she's a little overrated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Because on television, she looks beautiful. like right. You know, her, she had beautiful eyes. Mm. I mean, and, you know, she was, a, you know, body-wise, she was fine. I mean, she was good, but she, right. I think she had some issues with um, acne, Oh, did she? And you could see it. Oh, you wow. It. When it was close and personal, you can kind of see, like, wow, she got kind of bad skin. <laughs> like, I don't know her personally. Right. But, you know, television is an illusion. And then when you see him up close, you're like,
2: oh, hmm, yeah, okay.
0: E- <laughs> right, you weren't expecting yeah. that. That's for sure. Uh interesting. Uh what about the Roonies? Uh anything that uh, sticks out uh not only just of course playing with the Steel Organization but just the Roonies in general?
1: I uh, I would say system. Hmm. I think they just had a really good system in place. They very patient with their head coaches. As far as players are concerned, they they will let you go after like you're, you're still a really good player, but you're not as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they really didn't do any, especially during my time, it wasn't any kind of, we're going to just let you play for a long time. I mean, Ben Ro- Roethlisberger's is like that, and maybe some other guys, but right. for the, basically the core of the team, they had a system in place and how they were going to treat you. They treated you well, though. I mean, you appreciate being a part of it, and I, I felt like he – You know, people say, well, they're not, you know, they're not overbearing, but trust me, they're involved.
2: Mm, No, (laughs)
1: They may not be Jerry Jones, but they're definitely involved. So, um, very good organization. Oh, of course. Great organization,
0: yeah. All right, and then my final question is, is Clemson going to repeat this year?
1: You know, honestly, I don't know.
0: Mm. It's going to be tough. Ohio State?
1: Well, my only thing about Ohio State is – They're not like the first time we played them. I felt like we gotta beat these guys. You know, we had Deshaun Watson, guys like that. We'll we'll beat them. Uh, This game, I'm not sure. But my question with anybody who plays in a Big Ten, have they really seen speed? Because when you watch Ohio State versus Big Ten teams, Mm -hmm. they're super fast. They look like oh my god. But when they play somebody kind of outside of that box, you know, you wonder. Like mm-hmm. they play some Southern teams, you like they don't seem as fast. So right. that's the if they are as fast as they say they are, um, I think this will be a very tough game for Clemson. But I think Clemson is battle tested because they've been to that playoff before, and they and with the guys they have, especially at the quarterback position, receiver, running back. Right and the offensive line. So they've been there before. I know people question their, you know, they say they have a weak stadium, weak schedule, but I say that that schedule has nothing to do whether they're battle-tested. That's right. They're battle-tested. They're very battle-tested because they've won. They twenty (laughs) 28-0 at this point in time. Yeah. And they beat the big monster last year at Alabama and the Notre Dame. So in a lot of ways, they're battle-tested, you know, and, to go undefeated during the regular season, man, that's tough. Which people don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Most college teams, they will, they will, they will, they will sometimes mess it up. Most teams don't go undefeated. Right, they just don't. So, for them to do that, they're definitely battle tested. Uh, you know, I want my Tigers to definitely win, but I just don't know. I think the game will. The game is going to tell us everything. I just can't predict. I'm really not that great in predicting. Oh, no, no. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just don't think you know. I, anybody just tell you, oh, we're going to do this, we're going right. to do that, especially when it comes to really tough games like this, you just don't know. No, So I don't know who's going to win. I just want my Tigers to win, but I don't know if they're going to win.
0: Right. Well, we'll certainly see that next Saturday is the uh, College Football Playoff, December 28th, uh, of course, the doubleheader there with uh, LSU and Oklahoma as well. And, LeVon, uh, what could I say? It was an honor and pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much for taking a trip down memory lane Through your career And uh, going over uh, all these games Uh, I greatly appreciate it And once again, happy holidays to you and yours
1: Yeah, you too, man Have a great one And hey, anytime you need me on the show, man Just give me a yell,
0: okay? All right, no, will do, man Thank you so much Once again, many thanks to LeVon Kirkland For his contribution to this podcast I tell you, that was I hope you enjoyed that It was uh, certainly a great trip down memory lane, just discussing all those games, especially if you're a diehard Steeler fan. And even if you're not, if you're an NFL fan, I hope you enjoyed that because there were a lot of interesting games during that time. Pittsburgh was in a lot of those championship games and obviously the Super Bowl there. And just to get his take on that was uh, certainly not only refreshing, but uh, certainly broke it down to a T and just to have his time and uh, his experience and everything that has transpired in his career It was just great to have him on And was certainly an honor and a blessing So once again, thanks to LeVon Kirkland Now, as far as the next podcast You'll hear come Monday Which will be the final podcast of 2019 And even the decade for that matter Which is crazy Which would be Monday, December 30th So we have a lot to cover Obviously, NFL Week 17 Whatever's going on in Major League Baseball As far as free agency is concerned Of course, the college football playoff will recap NBA, NHL, whatever else may be coming up the pike You'll hear that all this coming Monday Here on the J Reels Podcast And as I always like to say Your contribution is key people So please, here on this Christmas Day If you enjoyed this interview Please go on to wherever you subscribe to your podcast Whether it is on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, Player FM, whatever it may be Please go ahead and subscribe Because by doing so Once these podcasts are done and complete And sent in cyberspace They'll pop up right on your phone All you have to do is just hit play Or if you want to download it and save it for later You could do that And also in the process Not only subscribe but also leave a rating Post a review Reason being is because there are Countless podcasts in this universe As well as sports podcasts as we all know But mine in particular I like to target everything I don't have a specific niche This isn't a fantasy sports podcast This isn't just a basketball podcast If you've been with me from episode 1 to now This is 105 You know well that I like to cover it all And with all that being said The reason being is because To generate not only just the interest But also guests like the one that I had today The more my name is out there The more subscribers The more reviews The more ratings and everything That's going to reverberate throughout the course of the podcast landscape. So, if you could do that, I would greatly appreciate it because I certainly want to have more guests like that, whether it's a former athlete, current athlete, or even a sports writer, broadcaster, those who are in the world of sports and have experienced it firsthand. Those are the type of guys and gals that I want to get on this podcast on a weekly basis. Not only me covering what's going on in the world of sports, but also have those people in the world of sports to share their experiences, to share what they've been able to do throughout the course of their careers. And that's why I'm here people So please if you could do that I would greatly appreciate it If you have any questions Comments Criticism Or praise Please feel free to reach out to me At any of my social media accounts Hit me up with a DM Whether it's on Instagram J Reels, On Twitter J Reels 1 Just a number The J Reels Podcast On my Facebook fan page As well as the J Reels Podcast At gmail.com For an email So again I'm open to Whatever it is you have to say about that As we close out 2019 In grand style and of course, if you want to contribute to the podcast as far as production, even merchandising, advertising, please feel free to do so. And I'll be forever indebted. That's at uh, www.patreon.com the J podcast. That's P as in Paul, A T is in Tom, R E O N is in slash the J Reels podcast. As I deliver, Everything that's happening In the world of the diamond The world of the ice The world of the gridiron The world of the hardwood The golf course Racetrack Tennis court You name it From my lips to your ears From my heart to your soul From where I am To wherever you are The j Rules Podcast Always comes correct Direct and in full effect From the South Bronx To South Beach To South Central To South Pacific And all points beyond Peace, love and God bless everybody Enjoy the rest of your Christmas Or your Hanukkah Kwanzaa Boxing Day is tomorrow The 26th in Canada So if you celebrate that All the power to you guys And until next time On the j Rules Podcast On the foot, baby.